1: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Merrick Larwood. Hello, hello there, hello to each and every one of you. Now, this is one of our short podcasts, as I'm away in, on holiday at the moment. Sorry about that. This is a pre-record, so also apologies if you've uh, written to us and we've not got back to you yet or addressed your issue. It's coming, we promise.
2: Now, uh, films... I only go. I only go on holidays, for short breaks. That's right. Because I am committed to this podcast. Whereas I'm
1: a binge holidayer. I've not been in uh, about eight years. (laughs) So now I'm going to New York for three weeks. And you had to go and do it right now. Right now, yeah. I'm sorry I had to take my holiday on one of the weeks we do this. Um, Okay, so, quick thing. What films have we watched recently? Loads. Let's talk about one you've watched. All right. I saw a film called Unknown. Have you heard of this? No. Very. It's very. Uh, it's um, low budget film with some faces you'd recognise. It's got, It stars Jim Caviezel, who was uh, Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. He also played the villain in Deja Vu, um, the uh, the well,
2: last Tony Scott film, I believe. He only plays villains. of guy, doesn't he? Really? What Christ? <laughs> what? what are you saying? Oh no, <laughs> I've just exposed myself.
1: As a satanist.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know anymore. I don't know what I am anymore. What about no. you, buddy? Buddy, buddy? buddy looks very comfortable and loose next to you there. What happens but in unknown? It, it
1: also has Greg Kinnear, who we all love, uh, and uh, it also has Joey Pantaliano from many, many things. Uh, the Sopranos and The Matrix, etc. Et now, it's Exciting from a writer's point of view, this movie is a locked room movie. Like Saw? Like Saw, the first one, or like uh, The Exam, or any of those, where basically it's one room, the concept drives the whole thing. It's a very story character led piece. But the setup is five men wake up in a warehouse, and none of them remember who they are or why they're there
2: they wake up at the same time, it's like an alarm clock
1: slowly over time Jim Caviezel's the first to wake up uh, but they slowly wake up but one of them has been shot and is also handcuffed to a railing and is slowly bleeding out and another one is tied to a potentially was tied to a chair and none of them know who they are they try to get out the warehouse and find it's for a warehouse incredibly tight security and there's a there's a keypad door that none of them because their memories are gone. They don't know the way out. They
2: don't know anything at all, but anything names at all, or anything like that. No,
1: but they slowly pieced it all together, and it unfolds from there. So how do they piece it together? If they don't know anything. Um, they uh, there's a phone call. They okay. are press uh, cuttings. In what in uh, you know an office room off the place, there is a burst gas canister that will probably explain how they lost their memories.
2: Do they get their memories back?
1: Slowly, yes, but that's part of the ticking time bomb of jeopardy. Because uh, the the great thing about this movie, and not to spoil it, is that they discover that some of them are good guys and some are bad guys, and there's a ticking clock of. And the bad guys are coming back. So the, the other bad guys are coming back. So when they get here, the good guys, whoever they are amongst us, are going to get killed. So we're all going to band together to get out of here or, or stop the bad guys. Because who knows which one of us
2: it is. lovely uh, a lovely idea. Lovely I, I, idea. Might, I might be the bad guy in this room. <laughs> I can't remember. Are you sure, it's not Buddy. It's either me
1: or Buddy. Um, really fun film. Really fun film, except at the end where it feels like the grubby finger of um, studio intervention has changed what the plot was at the end.
2: Is it? Have you read up it and found out if it's been? No, enough?
1: no. It just had that feeling of the rest of the script was really tight and leading to a point, and then it felt like they just bolted an extra twist on at the end that is totally unnecessary and it it ends really disappointingly. But if you stop it three minutes before the end, it's a really fun little rompy film.
2: It's like you go for a really nice haircut, and the last moment the the hairdresser shaves a lightning bolt into the side of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just takes a piss down your back.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or smashes you or punches you in the face and knocks all your teeth out. (laughs)
1: takes out a mirror and just clonks you over the head with it. Or puts a
2: vacuum cleaner and sucks all your eyeballs out.
1: Yeah, or just shoots himself. I mean, it takes all of the joy out of a new haircut. yeah right at the end
2: they shoot themselves and they've got to shave your head for evidence so it's (laughs) totally pointless there's loads of DNA all over your hair and there's nowhere else it's gone nowhere else (laughs) it's just gone on your hair and that is the reason listeners why I have no hair is I you're just avoiding that whole repeatedly being in hairdressing salons where at the end of it the hairdressers shot themselves what do you talk about before I don't know it starts off with how was your holiday and it goes down from there (laughs) Wow, I remember a film. That I stopped watching because I couldn't be because bo- I couldn't be bothered to watch the end of it. What was it? Well, I'm, I'm having a bad love film run at the moment. Oh dear, it, it I'm, happens. I'm going to give up on love film. I think lots of people are feeling that. Yeah, because I've just it's selecting the rubbish. So, so you now sometimes you get a whole lot of good ones. You shouldn't put rubbish films on your list. But you know, you're just filling up your list and go. Oh, I'll give that a try. Yeah, and a lot of the I'll give that challenge come at the same time you think oh,
1: is- my problem with Love film is it takes too much commitment that I used to put any film where I was like oh I'd love to watch that and add it to my list like you think it would work but then you sort of forget about the list and then you watch these films by other means because you mm. don't watch things exclusively through Love Film. then you forget they're on there and then they come through and they've just wasted one of the discs you've got to put it immediately back in the post office you've It takes too much management in order to do it.
2: It's all streaming now, isn't it? When Love Film was a big thing. Love Film killed killed Blockbuster and now Netflix is going to kill Love Film. It was a stopgap technology, wasn't it? What's going to kill Netflix?
1: Um, The alien invasion.
2: Probably, yes.
1: Films will become an irrelevance in the new world order.
2: Well, um, talking well, we'll talk about Love Film, as it dying. I got by bylantium on Love Film, the vam- British lamp- vampire one. Oh, uh, with
1: Gemma Arterton. We were offered yes. three screenings to that and we didn't go to any of them.
2: It's just a bit...
1: I think, well, my the reason I wasn't interested was, one, it's a British vampire film starring Gemma Arterton. I mean, that's that's sort of she enough.
2: She doesn't say it's a va- vampire to me.
1: But, two, was I think the modern vampire... They're so behind the curve on that one. I mean, that's been boring for ten, fifteen years. So to yeah. m- decide to make one seems so utterly not only a cynical cash in, but a really behind the curve cynical cash in as well. I, I just it seemed like nobody involved knew what they were doing. That was maybe I was being overly harsh. That
2: is pretty risque, <laughs> <difficult, seeing laughs> as you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, Neil Jordan directed it. Was it just pretty up myself. It just me. didn't work. It was just a bit right. dull. I never really got going. I like Gemma Arterton. Many, she has
1: her critics. I think she's all right. I think she, you know. I've just
2: avoided a lot of her films. I don't think she makes the best choices, necessarily. Maybe it's her agent making the choices. Maybe. Um, she's a pretty girl, though, isn't I she? I thought she's very nice. What, in real life? Yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you know her?
1: No. No, but Humphrey Carr, who's been our guest quite a few times and is my one of my comedy partners Um, he was in a tiny role which he talked about actually on this podcast in uh, St Trinian's 2 The Legend of Fritton's Gold wow which uh, Gemma Arterton even Gemma Arterton wasn't in uh, a whole lot she sort of cameoed because she was the lead in the first one but no he got to meet her he said she was absolutely lovely you know made him feel welcome on set had no need to
2: a lot Um, of people who are really good good at that
1: well, I think that's that's sort of the job of the leading man or woman on a on a film is to be morale officer as well. You have to be a leader, not just the diva who wants everything done for them. But I think being... those are the two kinds. Tom Hanks apparently is fantastic at that. What being a diva? No, no, no! Fantastic at just like making everyone feel. He knows everybody's name, you know. He he remembers everything about people, and he just makes it feel like a family that they want to all work towards this film. Wow. Um. Xiao Yong Fat as well weirdly apparently would on the uh, pirates of the caribbean 3 whichever one he's in in his bits uh, he was uh, you know picking up picking up sandbags and moving them and going where do you want this and just pitching in with the crew wow some people are actually
2: nice people
1: yeah and then you hear terror horror stories about I them.
2: always think where what I wonder what their motivation is
1: what for being nice Oh, Marek, you've
2: been in this world too long. You need to die and start over. I think I might need to, <laughs> because I don't trust... As soon as someone is nice, I always think, what do you want?
0: I oh, I've done this before when you shame. get.
2: I mean, we both do comedy and acting, and occasionally get, well, more sporadically get bit parts <laughs> in things. I'm basically doing Boris Johnson podcasts, and, and very rarely... Can you <laughs> use Buddy on one? Because he's got quite a good Boris haircut, I think. If Boris gets a dog, I will definitely get Buddy in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the runner is okay. Who are the people who sort of uh, the young people they employ in their twenties? Always yeah. very nice. They're so over nice to you because that's their job to be nice, isn't it? Well, also, I mean, yeah,
1: I mean that's that's a niceness. Often they they hire nice people because the job takes taking so much flack, they can't have anybody who, with a mean streak. But also, they they are the low on the bottom of the ladder, so if the, if word gets out that they've pissed off one of the actors, they'll be gone, they'll be fired, yeah. so they need to make everyone feel happy.
2: i mean, the best one i we ever had, and I did a show called We Are Clang, there was a guy called Pete, and he knew, if you ever thought, oh, I fancy a cup of tea, before you even got to the sentence... It would be in your mouth. It, yeah, <laughs> he would be spitting it into my mouth, putting my ears apart so my mouth would open, just like just strangling my throat so it's a strangle but also at the same time helping uh, you
1: swallow yeah
2: I mean you can't buy service like that can you incredible it was in- so Pete I-, I think he must be doing quite well now I mean he must be his name was Pete Griffiths and one day he's going to be a producer or a first so for people who don't know working films it's like the first second and the third and the third the third assistant director just does a lot of the, he's up from the runner just does a lot of the crappy jobs sort of ordering people around the second the one who does all the timings yeah so they check when you're coming in and hugely important and they always get you in about two hours early for every job just in case (laughs) your car's late yeah and the first is the person who's on set who's making sure the filming runs to schedule so basically the arsehole
1: yes and then there's the director
2: yeah the first taking away the whole arsehole role from the producer and the director. So they're, they're to be the, per- the person that you <laughs> They're the, the, the whipcracker, aren't they? The, first? the, yeah, the whip, uh, the government whip of a of a of party, political yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would hate to be a first.
1: I don't, I've, I've had some good firsts. You really appreciate one who doesn't get antsy, is just efficient. Like When you get those, like they're properly good. Yeah. Like it, it they can they can really sour the mood
2: or make it really fun to do. And the oddest thing about being on a set on a TV or a film set is there's all no matter what the weather, it could be snowing, could be freezing, there's always one of the sparks like the electrician, the lighting crew yeah. in shorts. Yeah. No matter what, every single thing I filmed, which is a And he's probably 20th, called Neil. Yeah. But they're always <laughs> They're always in shorts, it's up in the in yeah. freezing snow and they're still yeah, in shorts. Yeah. And they're always called Neil. But weirdly, there's a huge proportion of electricians called Neil. And one of the makeup ladies is always married to one of the crew or in a relationship with them because they don't meet no one meets anyone else because you're there from six to about eight and you're driving in and driving back again. So that is your whole life. Anyway, that's probably a really boring insight. Oh, well, I mean, you know. This isn't a proper episode. We um, could get
1: get out all of this stuff.
2: So that is the uh, that is uh, the one of the thinner episodes. It is. We're back talking about the films you see in the plane next week.
1: Yes, and I can talk about uh, my experiences in uh, America, possibly if I have any film related ones.
2: Yeah, go to the cinema out
1: there. Well, maybe I've never been to an American cinema, so I'd quite like to maybe go to um, an independent one rather than a multiplex. See what it's like. I mean, mm. it's the it's the home of cinema. Absolutely, I must do. Um, and who knows maybe I'll get to meet some celebrities along the way as well oh yes please oh I'd love to
2: if you uh, I've got a couple of things here quickly um, Andy McAfee's written in uh, he says Marek you've mentioned Troll 2 a couple of times I think K- I've
1: mentioned it a couple of times
2: well and so's David in it's is it, you, we both mentioned we
1: I've mentioned it in regards to Harry Potter
2: oh, ok is that Troll 2 yeah ok oh yeah in case you're unaware which i'm sure you're not there's a documentary about the film made by one of the kids in the film called best worst movie oh i'm not aware of this. it is amazing have you seen it yeah it explains watch best worst movie before you watch troll 2 it explains what all the things the huge mistakes which led to I one love of the funniest those. worst films of like, all time. lost
1: in la mancha is fascinating just in terms of how If a director doesn't have the support of a great producer, they are screwed. There is nothing they can do. They will be producing crap. Mm. Like, fascinating. Sort of heartbreaking as well, though, isn't it?
2: Life's pretty
1: heartbreaking. (laughs) Oh, God. Seriously, I think suicide might be a good option for you.
2: Okay, but before I do that, I should read a letter, right? (laughs) Yeah, go on then. Um, This letter is from Anne Coletta. Maybe you should take up hairdressing. I'd be really good at hairdressing I mean, alright there I'm trying to find this letter here we go dear MDB Matt David Buddy oh. I you need one you need a guest whose name starts with I to be IMDB that's a very good point I keep promising myself not to pet you but I can't help it I've got lots of questions and you don't need to read this email saying my name you can just use the questions if you want to have ideas for the podcast thanks very apt now um, are there any books that you wish should be made into films
1: Oh, interesting. Now, I know there is a movie of it um, starring uh, Malcolm McDowell, I believe, but the Flashman novels I'd love to see do done properly. Um, It's period stuff, basically, because I love when you actually get to see it all on screen. Um, er, Oh, The
2: Glass Books of the Dream Eaters would be good. Okay, But what books you desperately wish had not been made into films? Not being made into films.
1: My one, I say not be made into films. Captain is Corelli's Mandolin. Okay. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the book. I enjoyed it. But my God, that film is duff. Terrible just
2: trying to cash in on the success of the book at the time. You know? Stephen King's The Stand is one of my favourite books. They made it sort of two sort of long filmish things that yeah, didn't really work. Yeah. My brother's book, called Freaks, by Kieran Larwood, it's, would be better than Harry Potter if it got made into a blooming... Film, so go and buy that. Which one is he in the
1: uh, photo of uh, all of your family with your face oh, from your the, film from a uh, couple of weeks ago? He's the oldest one, he's my older brother. Okay,
2: um, okay, and I hope that answers your question. Uh, and here's a bit more David, you said you watched The Shining at five, yeah. I watched The Birds at five, and Marathon Man <laughs> shortly thereafter. Wow. Mike's double bill there. <laughs> <laughs> 5 year old double bill. Incredible <laughs> attention span for a five-year-old. These definitely made an impression. I remember watching Three Days of the Condor at that age I mean, very surprised people could be killed in such large numbers in such main- mundane environments. What other films do you two watch at a very young age that left an indelible impression or introduced you to completely new ideas or concepts? Oh, God, I mean, that's casting my mind back. Have you got any that you can think of? I remember watching um, Basic Instinct, with my mum, not realise when I was about Ooh. fourteen, 15, I didn't, we didn't realise what it was, and it was Ooh. quite graphic. And that was the start of a long love affair. Yeah, and, I... then, and that led to my <laughs> little brother. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I want to go on record saying, I did not watch Basic Instinct and have sex with my own mother. Okay, okay, or okay. any fit, I didn't do that at that all. That is on Definitely. the record. Yeah, for those who um, doubted that.
1: Uh, I'm trying to think of films I saw when I was very young that. You know, I mean, all of the, all of the movies I absorbed as a kid obviously had a huge effect on me, but I don't think that's quite what the question is. It's those, it's those really disturbing. what The Shining dominates my psyche so much. I'm not sure I can think of another one. In Nightmare. I saw um, Nightmare on Elm Street when I was too young. Yes, me too. Me too. It's properly disturbing, especially when it sort of starts to break. The rules of narrative right at the end Where you're just like I don't know what's happening anymore And yeah. that makes me feel even less safe
2: well, um, I was downstairs My brother was in his room as a teenager And I was just in my early teens I think it was And my brother said Go and watch this And my parents were out And I had to watch it And I had to wait until they came back And even then I wasn't safe
1: The idea that you, you, know, you don't want to fall asleep Is such a beautifully simple idea mm-hmm. It's brilliant crazy films I've not seen I've not seen the sequels actually
2: well great thank you very much for those questions that's great thank you there's a couple more we could uh, ask uh, we could do another another time but um, that's it right alright well yes we'll be back next week with a proper episode Um,
1: please do keep writing in uh, Dearfilmfandango@gmail.com, and uh, if you'd like to donate money to help us with the uh, running costs of this, then you can go to filmfandango.co.uk and donate from there. It
2: costs eight million pounds an episode. Eight million pounds a week,
1: and we are running out of inheritance. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week. Keep watching the one Bye bye.